So let's pray, and we'll ask God to meet us in, in Hebrews. So let's ask God to do that. Lord, come right now, I pray, and I need your help. I pray for wisdom. I pray for uh, the heart that you want me to have. And I praise you. What amazing good news in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Thank you so much for this truth about your holy son, Jesus. And thank you for having the author of Hebrews write these six verses. So that, And one of the reasons was so that today we could be here, 2012, at Mercy Hill Church and study them. Lord, I pray that none of us would leave here unchanged. This truth, I know, Lord, I'm not living it anywhere near like I should. This truth can completely transform our, our Christian lives. And so I pray that you would do that, Lord, for the glory of your name. Amen. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And if you need a Bible, like we always say, go ahead and raise your hand so we can pass one out to you. We want you all to have a Bible that you can look on. We are passionate about studying the scriptures here, so if you could do that. And we'll get you a Bible. It's on page 1002 in the Bibles we're passing out. A little bit of background. Um, when you read through this letter, you see that the people that this letter is addressing are struggling spiritually. And that's why the author's main point in the... In fact, can we kick the first slide up there with the arcing? That's why the author's main point in the first two chapters, it's all found in chapter 2, verse 1. This is his main point in the first two chapters. He's calling them and he's calling us to pay all the closer attention to the word of God, the truth about Jesus Christ. He uses the word to cling. We should be clinging to it. And we've used the illustration here. Like you were in the the river above the Niagara Falls, ready to be swept over the falls to your destruction. But this is the word of God that you can cling to. And it keeps you from flowing back towards destruction. And so in chapter 1, he gives two reasons why we must keep clinging to the word. First reason is because... God himself has spoken to us in his son Jesus, which makes this very big. This book is about God coming to the world in the person of Jesus Christ and speaking to us through his son. Oh, we've got to pay attention. Because if we neglect this, we're neglecting God. Very big. And then in chapter 2, he gives four more reasons why we should cling to the word. Uh, First in verses 2 and 3, he says it's because if we stop clinging, then we will drift. We're either clinging or we're drifting in the river towards destruction. So keep clinging. That's verses 2 and 3. Second reason, verses 3 and 4, is because God himself has given us evidence upon evidence upon evidence for why we can know this book is absolutely true. All kinds of evidence. That's verses 3 and 4. And then in verses 5 through what? 13, I think it is. Third reason is that Jesus, this is so powerful. I never really thought much about this before. But Jesus has won back for us the destiny that we had forfeited because of our sin. Jesus was the perfect Psalm 8 man, perfectly obedient to the Father, all the way to the point of death. And because of his obedience and his death on the cross, God the Father gave him the destiny that we were supposed to have, gave it to Jesus. And when we trust Jesus, then in Jesus and with Jesus, we can experience the destiny that we had forfeited by our sin. That's the third reason. reason. Fourth reason we saw last week is because Jesus, by being our propitiation, remember propitiation, which means that he satisfies God's wrath. That's what the word propitiation means. But that by dying on the cross and satisfying God's wrath, all of our sins are paid for and he has freed us from the fear of death. 
Oh, I hope that's been transforming you this last week. So all of chapter 1 and 2 then is, is focusing on clinging to the word about Jesus and all these reasons. So how, how are you doing in that? How are you doing in clinging to God's word? This last week, as you've been fearful, have you been able to open up God's word and see who Jesus is in the scripture and pray over his promises until the Holy Spirit brings you peace? Has it happened this last week? Or as you've been struggling with discouragement about something? Have you been able to cling to the truth about Jesus until the Holy Spirit comes and brings encouragement to you and your discouragement leaves? Maybe you've been gripped with greed or with lust or with pride. Have you been able to to cling to this rope, this truth about who Jesus Christ is? How are you doing in that? That's the whole point of chapters 1 and 2. So are, are we ready to move on yet is what I'm asking. Okay, Have you gotten this? This is like every week we're here and I know we're all still working on it. But I hope we're getting this. This is so crucial. Okay, so then what's the point of chapter 3? Where is he taking us next? And look at verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 3, 1 and 2. Therefore, holy brothers. And of course, that word in the Greek is generic. Speaking of brothers and sisters. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Now, one way to tell an author's main point is by looking at the commands that he gives. And right here is a command. He's commanding us to consider Jesus. The author of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write Chapter 3, verse 1, one of the reasons was so we could read it today, and he's calling us to take time to consider Jesus, to take time where you put everything else aside and you are just beholding Jesus Christ. You're thinking deeply about him as he's revealed in the word. You're meditating upon him. You're pondering him. You're worshiping him. You're talking to him. Consider Jesus. Do you do this? This isn't just what you do when you first get saved. This is how we continue living the Christian life. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus, as he'll say in chapter 12, verse 1. And there's one aspect of Jesus he specially wants us to consider. Did you catch what that was? It's that Jesus is faithful. He's faithful to him who appointed him. So when I pondered that, I just thought, okay, now why? Why is it so important that his readers, why is it so important that we, who are listening to this this morning, why is it so important that we consider that Jesus is faithful? Why is that such an important thing for us to... I mean, over this last year, have you ever sat down and said, I just want to take some time and consider that Jesus is faithful? Maybe you have, but if not, we're going to find out why that's so important. And the answer is in verse 18 of chapter 2. Right, just previous verse. Chapter 2, verse 18. For because he himself, Jesus, has suffered when tempted... He is able to help those who are being tempted. And therefore, we should consider Jesus' faithfulness. So that we'll understand, here's the deal. Every time you're tempted, Jesus will be faithful to help you. That's what the author wants us to get. Verse 18 of chapter 2, he's able to help those who are being tempted... So, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, so understand that he is faithful. He will help you whenever you get tempted. Now, here's why this is so important. Notice in chapter 2, verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1, we share in a heavenly calling. 
And the authors explain that in chapter 2. The heavenly calling, which we had forfeited because of our sin. But Jesus, like I said, became the Psalm 8 man, perfectly obedient to the Father, and the Father gave him the destiny that we were to receive, but that we'd forfeited. So Jesus received that destiny, and when we trust him, then we can share with him in the destiny. So here's what this means. Our heavenly calling means this. In the new heavens and the new earth, which is way down out in the future, or maybe Jesus will come back today, whenever, it's out in the future. In the new heavens and the new earth, because we're trusting Jesus, then in Jesus and with Jesus, we will be over the angels, one of the points of chapter 2. In Jesus and with Jesus, we will be crowned with God's glory and honor. And if in Jesus and with Jesus, we will have everything in creation under our feet. You might ask, how can we, created human beings, as sinful as we've been, share in that destiny? It's because it's in and with Jesus, right? Who was sinless, who was spotless, who made propitiation for us. So that's the destiny, the the heavenly destiny that we have before us. So we have this heavenly calling. And here's the problem. Here we are in 2012, and there's the the destiny, the, the heavenly calling that we have, but the road between here and there is full of temptations. If you can look at the road, there's temptations all over the place. Hardly a stretch of the road goes by which is free from temptations. It's like there's thieves over there, and yikes, there's some quicksand over there, and we got blazing hot sun through that section, okay, and we've got like wild animals there ready to eat you, and we've got rattlesnakes and scorpions, and oh my gosh, you look at this, this, this road between here and your heavenly calling, and it is full of temptations. And those temptations could keep you from reaching your heavenly calling. That's why verse 18 of chapter 2 is so important, and that's why verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3 are so important. Read verse 18 again. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So whenever you face a temptation, what does Jesus promise to do? Help you! Every single one of those robbers, he'll be there. Slice, okay? Or scorpions, stomp, okay? Whatever it might be. Every single temptation. Every temptation. Now, let me just make sure. Will there be any temptation, though, that you've just got to face on your own? Good. No. None. At every single temptation, you will not face a temptation the rest of your life when Jesus isn't standing before you with Everything you need to overcome that temptation. Everything. That's what verse 18 says. And then chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore consider, he is faithful. He will do, verse 18, at every turn in the road. Every temptation you face, he will always help us. And so he wants us then in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 3 to see the faithfulness of Jesus. Because when I'm in the thick of temptation doesn't feel like Jesus is going to help me, right? Scorpions are, do they bite? No, they're stinging. Okay, that's right. They, the rattlesnakes are biting. The thieves are tying me up. Okay, this doesn't feel like Jesus is going to help me. And that's why it's so important that we understand, no, let's dig deep into seeing just how faithful he is. So no matter how you're feeling, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how you've blown it for the last hour, he's there ready to help you. Isn't this amazing? This is the best, oh, this has been a great week, reading this passage. Okay, so, three crucial truths. What does the author tell us about Jesus' faithfulness? Three 
truths about his faithfulness. First, Jesus is faithful to help God's people just as Moses was. Read verses 1 and 2 again. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Okay, now, first question here, what's God's house? That's a metaphor for God's people. Look at verse 6, you'll see that. Verse 6, chapter 3, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. We, God's people, are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So God's house, in this section, these six verses, is a metaphor for God's people. Okay, And in verse 2 we read that Moses was faithful in all of God's house, which meant he was faithful to help God's people. What the author wants us to do is to think, just how faithful was Moses to God's people? And then to make the step, that's how faithful Jesus will be to us. Moses was faithful, Jesus is faithful as Moses was. So, I just made a list. Here's how Moses was faithful to help God's people. Now, I should mention, these are all ways that God's power worked through Moses. Moses wasn't independent in this. God worked through him, but he still, as a man, was faithful by God's power to help God's people. So first of all, God's people were oppressed in Egypt, right? And Moses was in Pharaoh's house. And what did Moses do? He left Pharaoh's house and identified himself with Israel. He didn't have to do that. He was faithful to help them. God's people were slaves under Pharaoh. So Moses was faithful and went to Pharaoh and said, God says, let my people go. Okay, went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was stubborn, said no. Moses was faithful to help God's people, worked signs and wonders, so Pharaoh relented. God was going to bring punishment on the firstborn, remember? Moses was faithful, taught them about the Passover so that the firstborn would be saved. The angel of death would pass over. They faced the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army is coming behind them, right? Moses was faithful. He helped them. Part of the Red Sea by God's power. They went across. They were thirsty in the wilderness. Moses was faithful. Are you getting the idea here? Faithful, faithful. They were thirsty. Moses was faithful. Struck the rock. Water came out. God's people drank. They were hungry. Moses was faithful. Manna and quail. God's people needed instruction. Moses was faithful. Brought them the law. Need, faithful, need, faithful, need, faithful. Help, 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 help. All the way through, Moses was absolutely faithful to help God's people. And just as Moses was faithful to help God's people, Jesus will be faithful to help you. That's the point the author wants us to get. Let's make sure we get this. A little quiz here. So Jesus will help us whenever we're tempted. Now, okay, but like, what if you're tempted with discouragement? What if it's discouragement? Will Jesus help you with that temptation? Yes. Okay, okay. Discouragement, maybe. Okay, well, how about, okay, self-pity. Will he help you with that one? Okay, you're not quite confident enough yet. Okay, oh, well, how, okay. How, about, how about lust? Will he help you with lust? Yes. You're getting more confident. Doubt? Yes. Uh, fear or worry? Okay, I just got one more. Pride? Okay, that's the point. Every temptation, 
And just let that just open up your vista of what God promises to do through Jesus. Every temptation you face, just like Moses was faithful to help his people, Jesus will be faithful to help you. That's the first truth about God's faithfulness. So here we are, reading the letter to the Hebrews. We're considering Jesus, and he wants us to consider his faithfulness. And the first aspect is that Jesus will be as faithful to us as Moses was to help God's people. Second truth. Jesus is even more faithful than Moses because as God, he has power over everything. Start with verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Okay, let's just kind of think this through. So just as Moses was faithful to help God's people, Jesus will be faithful to help God's people, to the house of God's people. But Jesus is even more gloriously helpful, faithful, more gloriously faithful, because he's the builder of the house, whereas Moses is just part of the house. He's He's part of the house. So you got the house over here. Moses, as one of God's people, is part of the house. But Jesus is different because he's the builder of the house. Remember, the house is a picture of God's people. Moses was faithful to the house of God's people, but since Moses was one of God's people, he was part of the house. But Jesus was not just one of God's people. He's the builder of the house. So the author wants us to get in verse 3, Moses was part of God's house, the people. Jesus is the builder of the house. He's the builder. So what is Jesus? The builder. Okay? Now look at verse 4. What does that mean for Jesus then? Every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. If Jesus is the builder of the house, and the builder of all things is God, that makes Jesus God. So he wants us to understand. Moses was not God. Jesus is God. So that's how I summarize this point. Jesus is even more faithful than Moses because as God, he has power over everything. So the one who stands before you at every temptation that you face has power over everything. That is the best news in the world, isn't it? That means he can do whatever he wants to do. And if what he wants to do is to help you in your temptation, which is what verse 18 of chapter 2 tells us, then he will help us in our temptation. Nothing can stop Jesus from doing what he wants to do. Now, here's one way this has helped me. When I feel tempted, not all the time, but, but there's, there's times when temptations feel so strong in my heart that I just don't think there's a, that this is going to change. This heart cannot change. Anybody ever felt that way? It's like, this isn't changing. Give me a week, maybe of just, you know, life, but this is not going to change. Like, a, I think it was a week ago, I got an email. It just felt like a kick in the gut, you know, one of those. And I immediately, my stomach just sank. And I was uh, discouraged, despair, a little bitter, okay? And it felt so strong. I was just sitting there at my desk with my laptop, reading this email, and it just felt so strong. I thought, this, this is not going to change. I mean, look at my heart, okay? But here's what happened. Over the next hour, I just came to Jesus first, and I said, Jesus, look at this heart. I mean, I am 
I'm in despair. I'm discouraged. I'm feeling some bitterness. Help me. And as I prayed, and as I read some promises, and as I took a walk around the block, that was helpful as well. I kid you not. So this email came around 10, I think, if I remember right. By 11.05, a little hour later, I was feeling peace and hope and joy more than even before I'd gotten the email. So not only had he brought me back to where I was, but he'd taken me on. He'd used this in a very powerful way to take me on. And I just want to encourage you, lust can grip you so strongly that you feel like this is just not going to change unless I act it out in some way. Not true. Not true. Not true. Jesus Christ is God. And he is standing before you with power to do whatever he wants to do. And he's told you, I will help you whenever you're tempted. You don't need to take that route to deal with it. I will help you. Or maybe it's fear. Or maybe it's greed. Or maybe it's hopelessness. Or maybe it's discouragement. Or whatever it is. Jesus Christ stands before you with all the power to help you overcome this temptation. Oh, I love Jesus. We would be just goners without Jesus, wouldn't we? Third truth. Jesus is even more faithful than Moses because as the son, he provides everything his house needs. Remember, what's Jesus' house? People. Us. Okay, so read verses 5 and 6. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Okay, so you've got to think about this carefully now. Moses was faithful to God's people as a servant is in the house in a household. Okay, so if there's a servant in a household, and he can be faithful to that household, right? Taking care of things. Okay, Moses was faithful. But Jesus is even more faithful. He's faithful as a son over the house. I mean, so how's a son more faithful than a servant? Well, a servant is faithful in the house, but the son, notice that word over. Moses was faithful in the house. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. The difference is that Jesus as son is responsible over the house for everything in the house. Every need that God's people have is his responsibility as the son. He's responsible, so he will take care of everything that his people need. Everything. Okay? Because he's the son being faithful over the house. So what that means is that every time you face a temptation... Every single time you face a temptation, Jesus will provide you with everything, everything that you need in that temptation. Some temptations, you you need wisdom. You just need wisdom. Jesus will be faithful and he'll provide you with the wisdom. He will provide you with the wisdom. Some temptations just leave you needing assurance of salvation. Jesus will provide you with assurance of salvation at those times. If you need power over lust, Jesus will so satisfy you with his presence, his love, his glory, that the pull of lust just shrivels up and dies. He will. I I don't make this sound 
easy. Okay? Okay, this can mean war on our parts, right? War. It's not like I'm watching TV saying, he hasn't helped me yet. <laughs> hasn't helped me yet. Okay? No, there's, there's means that he uses, especially prayer. Getting on your face. At Friday Night Home Group, one of the women there just shared how helpful it is at times just to get down on her knees before the Lord. Do that. Get on your knees, get on your face before God and say, help me. I am helpless here. Turn the TV off, okay? Put the clicker away. Help me. And then another means is scripture. The word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. So Jesus just doesn't come in the course of you living your life all of a sudden, zap, oh, that temptation went away. That was amazing. How'd that happen? I guess he could do that. You know, maybe you've experienced him doing that. That's not the normal means that he does that, though. It's warfare, fighting the fight of faith with prayer and the word of God until you feel the Holy Spirit coming upon you and strengthening your faith and filling you with peace and contentment in the Lord's presence and assuring you that you are his and forgiven and assuring you that you will have Jesus as your all-satisfying treasure forever and he's all you need because you're feeling that right now. The down payment of the Holy Spirit is making the inheritance real to you and it's the whole thing. Okay, so anyway, I was talking about power over lust. That's a big one. We've got to fight that. How about if you need to forgive someone? Like, you are just enraged at them. You are just furious, spitting mad. Jesus, by his power, can so humble you with the cross and so exalt you with his presence that you can forgive. And let it go. Or if you need encouragement, Jesus will show his promises to you so powerfully that you are encouraged. So Jesus is even more more faithful than Moses because as the son, he will provide everything that his household needs. Okay, so what does this mean for us? And here we are, 2012. We're here in November. There's our heavenly calling. The new heavens and the new earth. And the road between here and our heavenly calling is fraught with temptations. I mean, you're going to be tempted in the next three minutes. Okay, and this afternoon there will be more, and tonight there will be more, and tomorrow. Okay, that's just life. Okay, temptation. Temptation stops at heaven. Bring it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In the meantime, it's war. All right? It's war. It's battle. And what you have to understand is it's not up to you. It's not you being able to willpower or grit your teeth to get through that. That never has ever worked for me. And it's never worked for you either, truth be known, okay? But Jesus stands before you with everything that you need, and we need to fight. So I was talking to Jan about this, and she said, make sure you mention, and she's absolutely right, that sometimes we, we give up the fight way too quick. Isn't that true? I like pray for five seconds and like, uh, it's not going to work. Right? Let's go ahead and sin or just go with it or whatever. Okay, it's, it's war. And what you can take hope in, I mean, Jesus could free you within five seconds. I've experienced that. I've also experienced hours. So, well, what's the difference? Jesus is so loving and so wise that he, he will perfectly time your deliverance to bless you the most. Sometimes it's, this is a five-second one. Ah, delivered. Glorious. Other times he wants you on your face before him longer. 
he wants you fighting longer. Because there's all kinds of reasons, but it's all to bring you even more joy in him. He's the prize. Okay, so it can be five seconds, it can be five hours, it can be longer. But I tell you, not many of us, not many of us press on too long in these things, right? Many of us give up too quick. All of us give up too quick. So that's why we've got to consider that Jesus is faithful. He will be faithful. He will be faithful. You're there. You're before him. You're waiting on him. You're praying. Okay, I've got to go to work. Okay, Lord, help me. Just keep, keep fighting while I'm driving to work. I've got to you know, take care of the kids. I've got to go shopping. You may need to do other things, but still, Lord, I'm fighting. Here, help me. Help me. Meet me. And you call your home leader. What would be a good promise that would be helpful? Or, or talk to your husband or your wife. Let's, can we pray together about this? But there's means of grace that Jesus will use. Every time you face a temptation, he is standing there before you, and he's, his arms are full of everything that you need. He's just like right there. Everything you need for this temptation, he has before you. But you need to ask. You need to fight. You need to open up the scriptures. You need to use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Fellowship can be helpful. Worship can be helpful. Somebody shared Friday night how helpful it was just to put worship music on. Worship music can be very powerful. But these are all means that the Lord will use. But he will deliver you. So you don't ever need to sin. Ever again. That's an important truth to say. And it's also important to say, when you do, even that's a temptation, that you can come back to Jesus and say, forgive me. Bring me fresh assurance that I'm yours. Help me. And he will do that. Okay? See that? So crucial. All right. Now, let's pray. And then we're going to move into the, the baptism. Lord, I ask that Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 would revolutionize our thinking about temptation. Lord, I know some here, I just, I'm sure, because I've been there, that we just have a defeatist attitude that it's always, we're always going to fail whenever a temptation comes. Here we go. Lord, I pray that today, by the power of your Spirit, you would destroy that lie that we would see that you are faithful and you will help us whenever we are tempted. I pray that as we're in our home groups this week, we can be praying for each other about this. As we're in our DNA groups, we can be talking together about this. As we're with our kids, with our parents, with our husbands, wives, we'll be talking about this. But Lord, strengthen us to see that you will be faithful every time we are tempted to give us everything we need. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.